Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are back again and Beer 52 are on board again this week. How'd you enjoy your beers, boys? Oh yeah. I've got the box in my hand, in my studio slash garage. Uh, I came in yesterday to drink them and my wife, Rebecca, thought we were doing a promo video and it was a joke, but it wasn't. I was actually meant to be in there all day yesterday being Sunday and... Um, I've not had one yet, is basically the crux of it. I've had some before anyway, but this is a fresh box, a fresh batch, and I can't eat wheat, pal. Are you in trouble, Jim? In what way? Well, you, you called your wife Rebecca, so obviously you've done something wrong, to use the full name, or maybe she's done something wrong. No, no, mate, we're good. In the good books, we've just been out for dinner, mate. Eat out to eat out, or whatever they call it, eat out to help out, eat out. Who knows what it is, but we were out. So anyway, Beer 52, they're ready. I'm here. Beer 52, it's a, it's a British company and they're passionate about the UK craft beer scene. And if you sign up now, you get a free beer, free eight beers, free eight beers, a case of eight beers. You just got to go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and just cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com. And don't worry if you change your mind because you can pause or cancel your account at any time. So just head to beer52.com forward slash rugby and get your eight free beers. How's your week been, boys? Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm in Portugal. I'm on holiday. I've been hanging with a true Scotsman, Jim, you'll be pleased to know. Who? A man that speaks his mind on television, a man that is honest, like my good self, when it comes to dissecting rugby, but he dissects football. Graham Souness, what a lovely man. Never heard of him, mate. <laughs> okay. Um, he's a true is he, Scotsman. Is he the one that banged the flag in the pitch in Galatasaray or somewhere in Turkey that looked really dangerous, there's loads of flames and smoke yeah, on the I think, pitch I think so I think I so I know him but, I know him um, basically you know there's two people I've been ha- hanging with really at the pool one of them's been making myself feel really good about myself and the other person Graham Souness I think Graham Souness is about 67 68 he is in unbelievable nick White Nashers I bet as well, well he's, got, he's got he's had his teeth done he's like tops off he looks in great nick for 67 and then another guy that I've been sat at the pool with and um, you know I might have mentioned this to Jim over private message but he makes me feel good about myself. He's a very similar man to my good self. Neil Ruddock. No, my, Michael Owen. Mike, I've been at the pool with Michael Owen. And uh, yeah, it's very, very similar characteristics, to be honest. I mean, we've been chewing the fat about sport and, you know, his literally, football career. Literally, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, you know, it, we, we followed similar paths in our sporting careers. You know, he started off scoring that unbelievable goal for England at the World Cup at 18 years of age in, in 1998 against Argentina. Saint Etienne. Yeah, I scored an unbelievable try for England under-19s against Romania in the under-19s World Cup, so that's a start. Yeah, we both played for big clubs. You know, obviously, I was at Leicester Tigers winning things. He was at Liverpool. I don't know how much he won at Liverpool, but he scored a hell of a lot of goals. And then we were trailblazers. So we both went out into the continent, followed our path of our journey into, into Europe. Money. money sorry, well, Europe. Maybe, yeah, Europe maybe, money. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe. And he signed for you know the biggest club or one of the biggest clubs at the time and still are actually, the Galacticos, Real Madrid. And I did a similar thing and signed for Breve in France. Me old breath. Me old breath. <laughs> so, um, but the, you know, one of the main things is that, you know, we both played at Newcastle. We chatted about the commute. He used to get his own private helicopter up to Newcastle uh, from where he lived near Chester every day you're, training. You're, you're on a plane, BA, doing the helicopter. Exactly, exactly <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we, we're talking about our commutes up to Newcastle. But the, the main thing we've both got in common, and I'm really pleased about this, is Michael Owen has a dad bod. He has put on a little bit of timber 
And we were chatting about how to try and lose it. I said, mate, just lay off the star bars, pal. Lay off the star bars, it will fall off you. Do you call yours a dad bod? Is I mean, is is that what is that what it is? I don't know, mate. All I'm saying is there's a lot of dad bods around the pool, and I'm in decent nick compared to a few of them. I don't I don't believe you, mate. You, you've got shit bod and sick bod, <laughs> and you're trying to say you've got a dad bod. But yeah, it's been great, mate. Really good. Yeah, great to hear. Yeah, great three degrees. <laughs> How's Scotland, Jim? How is it up there, mate? It's it's cold. The contrast yesterday. There was no Michael Owen or Graham Souness where where I am. We were at a kids' party eating caterpillar cake and load well, like the kids were eating loads of chocolate and basically got home and projectile vomited all over the lounge because they had too much sugar. <laughs> even though I told them that they shouldn't have that much chocolate, and you know that's it. That's that's the excitement. Will they listen? Will they listen to you? No, they don't. They learn the hard way, mate. They'll learn the hard way. They're getting up. Dad, I feel sick. I'm like, no shit without the shit bit. I was like, no shit. But like, you still said the shit bit then. Yeah, I know. But that's me saying to the lads, eh? That's me saying to the lads. And uh, yeah, that's about it, mate. It was, um, that was it. Hey, rugby. I was there. Mate, what I'm on about, that was it. That weren't it. Mate, I was at the rugby on Saturday, weren't I? Hashtag always Edinburgh versus Glasgow. You were, At BT Murrayfield, mate. Uh, Forget the birthday party exhausted i was mate the That's excitement the mate the excitement the build-up to a game my mouth was dry as anything no water on site no coffee i ain't come prepared that way in terms of like food and drink you know bev- beverage um i've just gone to, to do the comms and i'm that excited i get to the game i'm absolutely fucked it was, it was like when i used to play it was that i had so much excitement in the lead up 20 minutes of the game eight penalties and i'm absolutely fucked i can't even think yeah uh, it wasn't as bad as that at the weekend but no mate yeah i've been working saturday God, yeah well we've got a new sponsor on board guys um and it might get you both in the good books with your missus they are called manscaped and they've joined the rugby pod they've just launched in the uk and they are the very best in men's below the waist grooming they offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Do you get it? Yeah, I get it. And I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. It's needed. <laughs> yeah. It is absolutely needed. Upstairs in the bedroom, I was told. Sort it out. Oh, really? She had a word, did she? Well, there's two ways that dad bod can, can go. You're trying to do everything you can to sort out the bod. And sort out the bush and you know i've sorted out the bod i just haven't sorted out the bush so manscaped it's a game changer for, for more for my wife than me i ain't that bothered i wonder, I wonder how long did it take you to shear through the whole bush downstairs jim because you said it's been you've let it grow for a long time eh? so manscaped they've come in at the perfect time they've also got the old ball wipes as well keep your uh the carriage the old ball wipes yeah when you when you buy it you get the old ball wipes so you could treat her to the full shebang after this i'm going to take the camel by the foot and i'm going to get in my bedroom in the bathroom and i'm going to get the ball wipes i imagine they go on at the end right well it's just to clean it up yeah but then you know like you like to do the old courtesy wipe don't you so you can now courtesy wipe the rear end and give the front end the ball wipes a, a bit of a wipe too I mean, what better brand to associate ourselves with? Eh? There, there, ain't, there ain't one better. <laughs> and they've just released the new 3.0 lawnmower as well, so that should help you out when you're in the shower. You can use it when you're in the shower. It's got LED lights as well. They call it the lawnmower. Jim's is that bad. I, I tell you what, if they're servicing that and they're calling it a lawnmower, mate, this is me. And it's got 90 minutes of battery power, so it's perfect for you. Wow. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we could be we could be cut 
See what I've done? It won't cut, cut you. The, cut the grass. It won't cut you. But cut the grass lawnmower for time. We could be cut for time. But hey, I'll let you know. I need to try it out first. I need to let you know. This is their third generation trimmer featuring a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology and cutting edge ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents. Just head to manscaped.com and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUGBYPOD. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code RUGBYPOD. Your bulls will thank you. This is just brilliant, isn't it? What a sponsor. Manscapes.com. Get involved. Well, let's um, have a look at a, a bit of rugby, shall we? Oh, go on then, ruggers. The premiership was on, but we'll, we'll first we'll have a look at the news. Scott Robinson approaching Warren Gatlin to coach the Lions. What do you make of that, boys? Oh, we've been messaging about it, but it's built up a bit of hysteria down in New Zealand. I, look... I'm a bit of a fanboy of Scott Robertson, right? We had a bit of a dance-off, went viral around the Barbarians when he was coaching them. Love his character. Uh, I mean, see, I'm talking about all the things out with rugby, right? But for me, that fits in with the Lions and everything that goes with them in terms of they want characters as well. But what a bloody good coach as well. It's a bit outside the box. But from a personal perspective, because we are very good friends, I would love to see him. Does having him on board, and I don't really know if it matters to Warren, does that mean someone else who potentially deserves the opportunity, like a Stuart Lancaster or Gregor Townsend, miss out because of him? But look, Warren's about winning, and if you want the very best coaches in the world, Scott Robertson's one of them. So from a selfish point of view, I would love to see my good friend, my confidant, uh, in the mixer. He'd be a hell of a tourist as well, wouldn't he? Because he likes uh, you know, a laugh with the boys. You can see the boys want to play for him. Obviously, his dancing would go down after every test match. But yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? He's thrown his hat into the ring. He's actually employed by, as they do over in New Zealand, he's employed by the New Zealand Rugby Union. So I presume he'd have to get some sort of uh, agreement from them, or I say some sort of agreement, complete agreement from them. Um, People over here would probably look at it one or two ways. One, does he know the English players, the Irish players, the Scots Well, no, the Scots won't be on it, apart from Stuart Hogg. The Welsh players... um, who knows how well does he know him, but he would have a, a fantastic impact. But you're right, L- Lancaster for me, two polar opposite people. One's an ex-school teacher, one's an absolute legend of a, a team <laughs> manager, of a drinker, of of someone that like, knows the crack. Um, but listen, Stuart Lancaster knows British and Irish lines, rugby inside out. Having done what he's done over in Leinster recently, um, maybe you can take them both. Who knows? It needs freshening up, though, right? I think it does. I think you look at the coaching staff, and we spoke about it, I think, on week one of the podcast, which was a couple of weeks ago. It feels like we've been back for ages. Um, and we were talking about Rob Howley. What will he do around him? We didn't mention Graham Roundtree. Yeah, does it need freshening up? I think he probably will. I think he will probably freshen it up. So, who knows? I just hope it goes ahead. I hear horrible rumours. Horrible rumours about yeah, the Lions. Them as well. yeah. What sort so, of rumours? Well, just that it might be delayed, let's say. Uh, but I'm, hey, that's not in my mind. I'm looking forward. Rugby's back. We're going Manscaped out there. Are We're going back. I'm, I imagine how good I'm going to look by the time we get there. Well, people won't see the downstairs bit for Manscaped except for Beckham. Well, I can tell them. I can tell them. I can tell them that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Cooney's going. Just just going back to the um, Scott Robinson chat, as an Englishman and a Scotsman, do you think it's diluting the product a little bit to maybe if they had two Kiwis in, involved. No, no, not at all. I think, listen, Gats knows it inside out. He's the best man to lead it. You know, and then it's hit down to him to find a coaching team that he thinks will add the necessary impacts outside of what he does to win a test series. So it doesn't matter who it is. And, they, and mate, they never pick Scotland players anyway. So they kind of ruined that 
a few years ago when they didn't want to take anyone or they well, only took one. Here we go. Isn't Robertson a Scottish name? There you go. And Scott. We've got two Scots. Yeah. We've got two Scots. We've got Stuart, Stuart Hogg and Scott Robertson. So there we go. Let's have a look at the Premiership. Uh, plenty of bonus point uh, wins and um, some big winning margins in the Premiership this weekend. Were you guys surprised by some of the win margins? Uh, no, not really. Um, when you see the teams. And obviously this this sort of few weeks that's coming up where there's midweek games, teams are rotating. You saw, take the Leicester game for example. You know, Leicester, that game could have got really ugly for Leicester. They had a really young team out. Obviously, Borthwick has come in. He wants to test the depth of his squad. He wants to give everyone opportunities. Bath have come fully loaded with their first choice team pretty much. Um, and you could always see that, that was going to be a Bath victory. And I think on around 55 minutes, it was 38-6 to Bath. And it could have got horrific for Leicester. But fair play, you know, the young kids, you know, Leicester under 16s, they battled through, showed some real fighting spirit, some determination and, and resilience that Borthwick would have wanted to have seen um, to, you know, to, to score a couple of tries towards the end. Uh, one of their tries was a lovely try. Luke Wallace's try was outstanding play. And listen, you're going to see mismatches now. You've seen teams... Uh, rest players look Wasps played Worcester and we'll get onto some of the games in depth and it was basically a Wasps under 16s against a Worcester under 17s but this is the necessity of what we're in now um, because of fitting as many games in in a shorter space of time to have to have midweek games and teams will have to rotate and I think you're going to see that off the back of it Baffle at world beaters though didn't they same way proper old school to be fair they've not clearly not been tested I think they had London Irish first game and then obviously Leicester, like Goody said, a second slash third slash kids team went out. But Bath looked, hey, Bath looked very good. It did. Looked very good, looked really physical. And um, But who knows? I'm the same with Goody. Like, it's difficult to get a gauge on it. George Martin was pretty good up front, wasn't he, for, for Leicester? Yeah, he's a good player. Second row, played in the back row, played six at the weekend. He'll be quality. Looks like he's about 30 because he's got a beard. They've got Tommy Rafael in the back row as well. Um, they've got Ben White at Scrum Half. So look, mate, it's all about the future for them. And that's what life is. It's about moving forward. And you, you talk about teams coming back from the, the lockdown. Bath of, as Jim said, they've had two relatively easy games, i.e. London Irish at home and then Leicester second, third team away from home. You look at Sale, for example, they were making big noises during lockdown. And they've lost two on the spin. So, yeah, things can change pretty quickly. Leicester, I've got no doubt, all they're focusing on is Borthwick getting to know all the players, using these next, what we've got left now, seven games to learn as much about that squad as possible so that then he can make decisions on on what happens next year because, you know, they're they're not going to make any inroads up the table at the minute. And it's all about just learning for for Borthers. And and he learned a lot about some of those players at the weekend and how how tough some of them are. And Exeter were too strong for sale as well, weren't they, boys? Oh, God, Exeter look good, don't they? They look good. And that was going to be the tough game for them, weren't it? Going up to sale, like Goody said, loads of noises. We were making the noises, beep, beep, uh, just before with the players that they've got. I tell you what, right, if we're speaking frankly, having looked at the games, and I think Exeter, Goody mentioned it last week about that great try that they scored with Hogg in the corner, Devoto with the ball out the back, their evolution in terms of their back play. Sale don't look like... They've got anything else apart from Route One China Chief, which worked, which worked when we saw Manu getting on the front line. But without sounding harsh, it just seems like they're going Route One. It worked for Bath against Irish and Leicester's kids at the weekend, but against Exeter, who have added a few other layers in terms of their attack. Obviously, Hoggy at fifteen. I don't know. A sale struggling. Well, this is the thing. You know, I, I was going to say it myself. You took the words out of my mouth, Jim. Um, you know, they've got the one way of playing, which is bash and crash, and they've got a massive team. But once that gets stopped, where do they go? 
So they haven't got the ability to, I don't think, to, to play another way. Um, and then, you know, do the players understand how to change the, the way they're playing? Um, you know, is that down to the coaches? And it's, it's a big question mark because ultimately, Steve Diamond's made a lot of noises over lockdown, hasn't he? They've signed to Alangi. You know, they're, they're talking about a new stadium, filling it. Here's one for you. If they don't go so well and they're slipping away from the top four, they play... So they play Wasps on Tuesday, and Wasps have got a strong team playing. Ah, Wasps are struggling though at the minute, mate. Sailor so, so, yeah. make a load of changes. Then I think they've got Bristol's uh, next weekend, where yeah, that's a real test for them. They, they, the question marks then become around the coaching department, and he's got everything he wants now. Dimes, he's spending up to the salary cap, um, as he said. Are you question- calling for a coach's head after no, two no, games? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I'm not at all. Well, I'm just saying that there has to be some question marks at some point. And the tough thing. For Dimes and for the people at Sale, the owners, etc., we had Simon Orange on here. Dimes is a shareholder of that club, so he owns a percentage, I, I don't know, maybe around 15% of the club. So how do you sack him? Or how do you say, listen, we need to make some serious changes if things don't go the right way? So we'll see. Watch this space. Hopefully Sale improve because we've talked him up. Um, we want to see Manu do well. But you're right. I don't seem to th- see how they can have another way of playing at the minute. And hopefully we're proved wrong as sometimes we are on here, Jim. And Bristol... Looked all right in the weekend again, didn't they? Bristol's. Well, Rad Randra did, yeah. Um, my goodness me. My, I couldn't stop watching him. It's one of them where you could piggyback it like, no, like, hey. you could piggyback it and the hysteria around him. And semi, mate, semi gave me a semi. Mate, I get it, get it. Um, after the manscaping with that, you're going to look incredible. <laughs> um, anyway. Let's not be too rude. Let's not be too crude. But Manscaped, thank you very much. It could be a game changer. Um, but, mate, yeah, Bristol, you can't get away from Ran Ranger rocking up. He's, he's backing up again this week um, as well. And he got the ball, didn't he? That was a difference. He got the ball in space. Some of the lines that he ran and didn't get the ball, if he got the ball and if a couple of the offloads would have stuck, mate, arguably, you're talking about one of the best individual performances ever. That's how much I think Look, this you're guy jumping is. on the bandwagon now. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, I am. The guy's, you know, and ridiculous. My mate Ray arm is the Gloucester manager, and he said he couldn't stop, couldn't stop looking at him. Yeah. So it, it, it's great. Yeah, it's great for the prem that that he's in. You know, Gloucester, they're in transition. Bristol aren't. Did you see Sheedy's little grubber kick through for when they make the bust for the first try? Like ridiculous. He's he's a quality player. I was, was Ran Randra nearby? If he was, I would have seen it. If it Mate. wasn't, then I was looking for him. <laughs> so, uh, but that's my point. Like in order for Brit, like you know, we're all jumping on the bandwagon. It's amazing for for, for pre- Premiership rugby, English rugby that we've got some superstars in that team. Last week they were great up front. Um, I mentioned about the scrum. Mentioned about the line out. You know, Gloucester are a team in transition, but they're still a good team, and uh, it was comfortable for Bristol's. I think the thing we mentioned earlier about when we talked about Sale and Jim questioned could they play another way. Bristol are the exact team that can do that. So we saw them not out a tough victory last week in the rain, playing some tight stuff uh, against Saracens in a game that they had to play that way to win. And then this week they re- Gloucester a new one. Um, you know, it was it was the semi show, but there was so much quality in there. The handling was sharp. The shapes they're putting on in, in phase play as well. Yeah, it's a rea- reality check for Gloucester, but Bristol are serious serious contenders now. Here's some insight for you. Go on, Gloucester. Gloucester, yeah. who, who's their most spoken about player at the minute? Cipriani. Yeah, okay, who else? Johnny May. Okay, <laughs> all right. None of them two. So Lewis Reese Zamet has got a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Who do you think she is? I mean, you, it could be anyone. Miss uh, Wales. Gonna give, uh, Miss Wales. Gonna, no, no, I'm going to give you some hints. I'm going to give you some hints. So the guys that you're with on holiday might know them. 
Oh, it's a footballer's daughter or something, isn't it? Yeah, his cashew nut and testicle got ripped out, ripped out in one game, and there's like a screenshot. Oh, Acorn it's, it's Scolzi's missed. Scolzi's daughter, mate. mate Lewis Rees-Summit's going out with Scolzi's daughter, mate. I yeah, found I out. That. So, um, that, yeah. yeah, there you go. There's a bit of intel. Just thought the millions of listeners, I thought I'd give you something. Yeah. And I have. Uh, did you guys think Quinns were going to make a sort of a late run uh, and level up with, with Saracens in the weekend? Oh, or? real shame. Real shame that Quinns got absolutely handed a new one. I mean, just... You know, I mean, but they had a young t- team out, didn't they, with Marler and, you know... Uh, <laughs> Rob Shaw. Of, yeah, Rob Shaw there. Mark Brown. No, it was good to see uh, uh, Saracens. Obviously, Farrell was playing 10. Marrow was on fire again. A couple of lucky bounces and stuff went their way. Quinns nearly came back. That first half wasn't anything about luck at all. That was Sar- Saracens absolutely bullying Quinns. 28-3 up. Quinns weren't at the they weren't at the races were they and they go they go from last week where they've they've done a job physically on sale and then they go to Saracens their nemesis Marler I don't know what he's doing Rob Shaw flies out the line and it creates a try and then the only way they got back into the game was bringing that absolute beast Paul Lasiki off the bench who came on the pod last year and, and was brilliant and he, he was, was just, ridiculous when he came my on. god like there's your man the shouting your man I think even Owen Farrell shouted your man at one point I could hear um, it and he got he got barreled over but yeah I mean playing against Saracens you're going to need Paul Lasiki so I'd question why Guzzi didn't start him but then you know maybe that's because um, he, people have said he, he, he's perhaps not fit enough to start at the time but hey listen you know Quinn's flattered to deceive again didn't they they were always good at the stoop but then away from home um, with a very experienced team, you'd have thought they might have done a job, but no, Saracens are way too good. We should also give a shout out to a former Quinns player who retired, Jack Clifford as well. Shame to see him retired. Yeah. There was a load of stuff that went on uh, over the weekend, I think, at the, the back end of last week. That's no age to retire. He was quality as well. Uh, he won a quality Grand Slam player. a couple of years ago, mate. How about, like, you know, you talk about some hard luck stories in rugby. He was a Grand Slam champion a couple of years ago under Eddie Jones and then obviously shoulder injuries have put paid to his career which is a real shame and you know devastated for the lad because uh, he was he was a new age back rower now you look at Curry and Underhill and these guys he was before all them and he was proper X-Factor quality as well yeah, so a, real, was, yeah. a real shame apparently Ashley didn't fancy playing against Saris yeah that's right I've already had it in his contract that he, he didn't want to <laughs> so yeah that's just what he does doesn't he mate well, we can have a chat now with the man who skippered Saints in their win over London Irish at the weekend. England back rower Lewis Ludlam joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good. All good. Good to be here. Skipper, we should say, uh, at the weekend. I, I need to clear something up first. Delalio mentioned it on comms. Mate, let's just talk about one instance from the game where you sprint into the corner. There's about eight people. Mate, you've done the right thing, mate. You've gone to jump, jump them. Imagine the screenshot photo, the photo finish, if this try would have been given, eh? Yeah, I'm not quite asked to Allah, but um, looking back on it, I think he's probably showed me how to do it in the end. But um, yeah, it's, it's probably that forwards mindset, wanting to wanting to run over people. <laughs> mate, it's good, mate. But how was it for you as captain at the weekend? Obviously, Saints, uh, quality team, obviously gathering momentum. We know we, we've had a, a few of the guys on, on the show before. Goody speaks highly of Boydie being coached there. But how was it captaining, you know, a, a team that you've been at for so long? Yeah, it was madness, really. Um. I mean, it was never really something I expected. If you would have said a couple of years ago, I would have been captain in my, my childhood side would have told you you were crazy. So, um, yeah, something that is a little bit unexpected. But, I mean, when you've got a team like that, and, I mean, most of us lads have known each other since we were 14, 15, playing with each other through the academy. So, um, it, it didn't, in all honesty, feel too different to, to a normal game, apart from doing the toss and, and making the 
making the calls on the pitch. It was, it, my, my, my job was made easier, really, by the by the boys I had around me. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously it's your club uh, from being a youngster and you, you've you've rose through to prominence really quickly, actually. And we've seen, you know, we saw from your England debut, we spoke about it on the podcast last year, you know, how, how much that meant to you emotionally. What I want to delve into is as a captain, I always like hearing what people say in the huddle before you go out. So some captains rant and rave, some captains, we both played under Martin Johnson, he didn't say too much, but my God, when he said something, you listened. What sort of captain were you? Were you, um, were you clipping the backs around the ear? Were you trying to bang a few boys or was it just calm heads? No, just calm heads. I think a team like ours, we, we probably get a little bit too excited at times and overplay it at periods. So for us, I think we just spoke about being relaxed, um, going out and in, enjoying the occasion and, and giving it a good crack and backing ourselves in everything we do really because I think we're a confidence team at times. So I think, uh, the lads are confident. We, we 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 tend to play well as well. And on that, um, obviously, we just talked about pre-match. Let's be honest. The first half from both teams was pretty diabolical, wasn't it? And I think it was three all at half time. So surely your half time speech, Jim likes to call it an arousing speech, um, which is a slightly different definition of a rousing speech. But uh, how was it at half time? Was Boydie was he pretty calm? He normally is, isn't he? Yeah, no, always calm, always calm. The messages were just clear at half time. It was just about keeping the ball and and not letting them off the hook with, with our discipline as well. I mean, he's. He's always a cool head. I mean, I, I watched that first half back after and I was I was a bit surprised about how bad it actually was. When you're on the pitch, it doesn't feel as bad as it actually actually is when you watched it. But he was pretty cool head at half time as always and just sort of said, stick to your basics, look after the ball and the rest will look after itself. And like I said, I'm, I mentioned it before, but I know, I know we're a confidence team and, and if, if we're told to go out, relax, enjoy it and, and, and play a little bit, I think that's... That, that, that's generally the way, the, way, the way to go about it for us and it, and it, and it paid off in the end luckily We might come back to the uh, Northampton and, and the games and the future I just want to go back a little bit because we're talking about the emotional stuff right and there, there was the video clip and the photo I think I posted it on social as well from when you made your debut and the kind of raw emotion that you showed and I absolutely love seeing that um, and not everyone does I mean you know but I was a player that played in that emotional state. But we're talking about emotion now, right? Because it's difficult playing the game when there's no fans and the kind of lead up and the energy that you're trying to generate. But let's just go back to when you made your debut. A bit of time for reflection. How many times have you looked at that, that photo or the video of you singing the anthem? Because it was quite spine-tingling, actually, to watch you and the emotion that you carried into that first game. Yeah, it's, I mean, unbelievably special occasion for me. And I think Look, looking at it from the outside, every, everyone sort of said it, it. It came really, really quickly for you. But I, I think the things that people don't see is you grafting away for six years in the, in the academy at Saints and being loaned out to Rotherham, which isn't a, a great place to be at times as well. So, <laughs> so, 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 so to go from a, a year ago being at Rotherham to, to being at, at Twickenham and, and, and singing the national anthem, it it was all just put in, put into perspective for me, I think, and um, yeah, it's, it's an emotional occasion, and it, it, and it just felt like for the first time it was, it was really starting to starting to push on and, and get somewhere with with my career. Mate, hey, there's no slight on Rotherham, mate. They're, they're hard up north, and I nearly drowned up in Rotherham playing for Nottingham, mate. They had this second row was in the Marines who thought it was play on to try and drown me. He didn't realise yeah. I was going to go on to be a Scottish <laughs> legend, but mate, they, uh, <laughs> mate, they breed, they breed them hard up there. Well, we may as well touch on that a little bit while you're here because there's a lot of shit going on in the championship and stuff like that. You mentioned your time there. There's loads of players. I won't go through them that have applied their trade in the championship. We're seeing everything that's going on with them, and you know the feeder club, obviously 
obviously Bedford being the one for Northampton. Have you got any views on that, about how you're seeing the championship stuff unfold? Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult situation because even premiership clubs, it, they're not a they're not a profit-making business model at the moment and trying to get those funds from somewhere seems to be a, a, a really impossible situation. So um, I, th- I think over the, over the next year, those championship teams and... And, and those Nat One teams are going to are going to be in a really difficult position, which is a, which is a shame because you do see so many so many good players sort of establish themselves through through those clubs. I think for me, the, the the best way I could see it going about is them really setting up a partnership with some Premiership teams as well to offload funds of of, of players or, or or them signing players on and, and getting young lads playing in the champ on on, on loan deals and, and perfecting their trade there as well so i think i think that's probably the way to go about it but but like i say it's a, rugby as a, as a business model over the last few years hasn't been the hasn't been the best one <laughs> mate you're right about that it's not headline news mate you're right no it's not oh yeah. question then so obviously you know we've seen that northampton have had a great link with begford what did you do wrong to get sent to rotherham that's what i want to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know who i pissed off but um yeah i was straight up to rotherham um traveling 10 10 hours a week up to rotherham but um yeah i mean i, I enjoyed my time at rotherham it wasn't like, like i said it wasn't it wasn't the best place to be but it, it, it felt like a proper rugby club and to, to go for a holding bags at your club and, and preparing the preparing the team throughout the weekend to go and being part of the side and, and and wanting to win stuff well i say win stuff wanting wanting to try and stay in the champ with rotherham um was, was something that was really enjoyable as well and just looking at it then so obviously you're one of the, the probably the latest player to have done that go to a, a championship club from Northampton or from a premiership club and then quickly make your way back to Northampton, play some unbelievable rugby and then straight into playing international rugby. And you've taken to it like a duck to water, really. Did it help you? You know, Jim said it was pretty hard in the championship and you, the way you play, you're an abrasive player, you like to carry. You've shown no fear whatsoever in, in whatever challenges have been put in front of you. You love the physical, right? So did that help you down there or was it just a case of you'll bang anyone that's in front of you or carry hard into them and it doesn't really matter who it is? Yeah, I think for me, I've always been the smallest forward on the pitch at times. So it was all about a lot of it. Rugby for me always came down to attitude and just putting your head in, in spaces that um, a, lot, a lot of people didn't. And I think that probably got, got me through at times. And in going to Rotherham and sort of where at times I think it's it's more physical than some, some premiership games when you've got a, a guy that's played 100, 100 odd times and 130, 130 kilos and can't move. So, so, so going, going and playing down there, I think, really showed, showed the physical side for me. And then I think the, the mental side of it was, oh, I, I sort of went into the England setup and, and, and the Saints setup and was like, well, buddy, I was playing at Rotherham last year. I've got nothing to lose. I can just go out and enjoy it. And I know, like I say, when I'm enjoying it, I'm playing my best rugby as well. Was drowning people part of the pre-match talk or not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, I, I I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but the, the, the oh, you can. The, the pre-match talk every week was this club is a shithole, but it's our shithole, so you better go out and work hard for it. <laughs> Honestly, mate, hey, they, 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 I don't know if you class Rotherham as a northern club. I suppose they are, mate. It's up by Sheffield. Um, you were just talking about the style of the way that you play. We obviously see it. It's out there for all to see. Um, there's a few changes around the breakdown, and one that I think you know, a real positive for the game right now. If the millions of listeners out there don't know what we're talking about, it's not a rule change or a law change. It's just they're putting more emphasis on the person competing for ball, that they need to be on the ball, and therefore the entry, that the clearers come in and, and clean the person on the ball. Because we've seen... 
some horrific injuries around the breakdown the last couple of years, right? You've got your head in them dark places, the place that people don't want to be. A bit of frustration around the penalties and the penalty counts, but as a player who's in them positions, are you happy with these kind of law interpretations being thrust upon the players or is a bit of frustration there still? No, I think there's going to be frustration in games because it's new and people are trying to get used to how they're being interpreted now. But um, I think personally, it's it's a really positive thing for the game and for us as a team means that there's less time the ball's in the breakdown as well, which at Saints really, really does suit us. And, and, and for me as well, it's more opportunity to get over the ball and, and get over the ball safely as well. So I think it's a positive thing, but obviously these first few weeks, there's going to be some teething problems and it's going to take a while for, for players to adjust and, and, and referees to adjust to, to refereeing as well. And one of the tough things to talk about at the minute, but is a necessity for everyone to talk about and understand uh, on the subject. Jim spoke to Courtney Laws uh, the other day for Rugby Pass about it. Um, and it's just to talk about the, the battle against racism in rugby and, and how rugby is behind uh, kicking that all that out of the game. Um, what were the conversations like at Saints? I know a lot of the clubs have done different things around uh, making their stance pretty clear. How, how was that for you as a player, as someone that's part of the England squad, um, you know, and, and for the club itself? Yeah, I think at, at Saints, these chats were, were really positive and I think it, it, the, the, this whole Black Lives Matter thing, the, the real positive thing is everyone's talking about issues of race and um, and, and no one's no one's afraid to sort sort of speak their mind in it, and and we are having the conversation now. I think what we tried to do at Saints was we didn't want this to become a divisive thing. So every single member of that team said that we're a hundred percent against racism. But the the issue was that taking a knee and the Black Lives Matter movement sort of meant different things to uh, to a lot of different people. So. The conversation was around how we can do our own thing against racism as a team together and, and, and sort of have a, have a one, rule, one, one rule suits all sort of thing and, and show unity as a side against racism without sort of associating ourselves with the, with, the, with the negative politics that comes with it at times. And just with that, you know, you, you've made your way now into the England squad and you've worked ridiculously hard to get there. Um, what was your pathway like through junior rugby um, have you seen any racism towards yourself or have there been instances where you've had to pull people up has it been a smooth ride for you or are the things that you know you, you've really stood up to it over time yes I mean I've, I've grown up experiencing it I, I think I think most people have of a background background has just stuff that's said on a pitch at times I mean I came from a club where I, I was the only mixed race kid there was no one else there so immediately I was I, I probably looked different to, to other people but I think my, my mindset was if, if someone wasn't going to insult me about my race it was going to be about something else anyway so yeah well, it, it, I mean it's, it's tough going, growing up but I think a, a lot of that a lot of that is internal because I think as a kid you do realise you're different um, and who's to say if I was a, a, a different colour I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel different about something else so yeah some, something I experienced growing up and, and something that um, needs need, be cut out and people need to be educated on I think hopefully young players are seeing that as a premiership in whole that we're showing that rugby there well, there is no place for it in rugby and hopefully young young players see that and they realize that one that it's not acceptable and, and, and the kids that have experienced it can see that they're, they're they're not alone in it either 
Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I was just going to say, Goody, one of the real positives is is that we're actually speaking about it now and we're speaking about these uncomfortable situations and uh, we're dealing with it in the right manner. Let's um, carry on in the international vein. So Eddie Jones, right? There's a lot of talk around Eddie Jones. Well, there always is a lot of talk around Eddie Jones. Dylan's brought out a book, some kind of headline stuff's come out of that. I had a good chat with Courtney about it. But everyone's always interested in the mystique around Eddie Jones. I've actually really warmed to him, but I imagine... The fact that he um, gave you your first cap, you've got quite a good relationship with him. How have the discussions gone over lockdown? Have there been any? I mean, is he happy with you? Is he looking for huge improvement? Is he pushing you? Like, how do you deal with him, and how's your relationship with him? Yeah, really good. Um, I think I think the thing about Eddie is he's so good at getting the the best out of people, and for for me, something that's 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 got the best out of me. So um, Six Nations probably wasn't. The, the most positive time in terms of oh, is a dog. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, six days probably was the most positive time in terms of where I wanted to be in in, in playing. And I think, but before then, I probably thought that I was giving rugby my all, and it was a hundred percent all my attention. And for him to sort of say to me, "Well, uh, I think you've got more in, in his way," was something that put, pushed me on again, and something that I think's got the best out of me. And like I say, he's always someone that's trying to get the most out of people and he knows how to how to push the right button to, to, to get more out of people. So, um, yeah, for me, it's something that's been really positive for me and um, he, he just knows how people tip. And one of the big things that people have noticed, and I've seen it myself firsthand when I've watched a training session, it is brutally tough, isn't it, some of the training sessions. Do you young kids, now I'm looking at it as an old man that tried to avoid as much training as possible towards the back end of my career. Um, do you boys relish that? Do you think, let's get right in amongst it? Um, you know, there's this, there's yourself, there's uh, Curry, you know, these guys that are just young, hard, lean, you know, want to go smash people. Um, do you wake up every morning thinking, I want a piece of that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think for me, it's like, you know that, I think it's a Wednesday session in the week is a pretty mean session. And when you go out on the weekend, you, you kind of, in the back of your head, you're thinking, God, I know these boys haven't trained as hard as we did on Wednesday because it is that tough. So I think that the harder you train, the more, the more confidence you can take into the weekend. And the harder those sessions are, the more, the more confident you, you, you get again. So yeah, those, those sessions are tough, but when they're done and, and, and during actually, there's, there's such a buzz about the team because you know, you've, one you've grafted together and you, you've grafted yourself. You, you just can't believe that anyone anyone else has worked harder than you in the week to, to pull out performance at the weekend. Well, that might bring me on to the next question that we've got because there's a short turnaround for you boys at Northampton. was a short turnaround for most teams, actually. Now, I, I was listening to Austin Healy at BT Sport. He made a really good point, actually, but he never did contact in training, so it was easy for him to, to make this point. But as a young <laughs> lad who loves it, right, you're clearly in that stage of your life where maybe body management isn't necessarily t- t- top of the list for what you need for how it would be, I don't know, with a Dan Bigger, for example. So on these short turnarounds, are you loving it or are you thinking, wow, it's actually going to to be some big demands on us coming up yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm a, i'm as stiff as a plank of wood so yeah i'm uh, i'm on the big schedule as well trying to get myself loose but um yes yeah, it's, it's a difficult time i think the the conversation for us as a team has been around every everything's we're working with energy now it's not it's not time and boyd has got a plan which is really good about trying to keep a whole squad as fresh as possible and trying to get as much rotation as possible but i think those elements around recovery and, and, and getting getting right as quickly as possible in the week to go and train train for the weekend again and prepare for the weekend is more important than ever. I mean, there's no 
going out on the piss celebrating anymore after after games because you know you you've, you've got to get your body right and, and turn around you know get 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 a good turnaround for the next weekend so yeah it's a it's a difficult time it's a challenging time but i think at, at northampton especially we're, we're blessed with a, with a lot of squad depth as well and a lot of, a lot of young boys who can slot straight into those into those spaces as well so um yeah, it's a it's a, it's a new challenge, but I think I think something that, that Saints that we're we're relishing. Geez, the mindset has completely changed, hasn't it? Because my mindset when I finished uh, a game was I needed to get on the piss so my body was okay for the next weekend. But then yeah. there we go. That's why you youngsters are playing for England and, and doing all you do. Um, one last question from me then about Northampton and, and Jim and I know this guy very well, Sam Vesti. Um, as we played with him for many years at Leicester, uh, aka the Bogey Monster, aka Red Bulls. He's got so many nicknames, <laughs> it's unbelievable. You mentioned earlier that Boydie's really calm, really collective, you know, doesn't get out the hairdryer out. How's Vesti as a coach? Because he picks his nose and eats it. Tell me he got absolutely hammered for that on TV. And then, sec- <laughs> secondly, yeah. he's got a very sh- sort of shrieky high voice and gets overexcited, doesn't he? So, how much fun is it working with him? And um, how are his Red Bulls? Because they were very red when I used to play with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's awesome he's been absolutely class for us I think um, Boydie's probably had to tell him to keep calm, keep calm a few times so he's real calm in the meetings until someone drops out of the session he's he's asked to be involved and he's whacking lads as hard as anyone else so yeah he's a, he's, he's a fully involved coach and um, I think his, his enthusiasm around attack and wanting to move the ball and and take people on in the ball is something that's that's really passed on to us as a squad. And I think I know I know at times at Saints we don't get that balance right of of, of knowing when to play and, and when to play a territory game as well. But to have that mindset of wanting to go out and go out and attack teams has, has been a positive thing for us and and something that we're trying to find the balance with at the moment as well. Is he still wearing the Gilbert boots as well? Because they were shockers when he played with us. <laughs> mate, mate, they sponsored him two grand a year, mate. So he was uh, <laughs> he was well happy. Uh, just lastly, while we've got you, because um, I say a good mate, I mentored him. Uh, he'd probably say that I didn't. Uh, but Nick Azikway, debut at the weekend, man of the match, a.k.a. we call him Lit. I don't know how. I mean, obviously he's on loan, but he he seems to have this thing where, like, they put on this big facade when we played Northampton that he didn't like you boys. Uh, he comes, obviously, uh, turns up and he gets man of the match at the weekend. How's he settled in? Yeah, that's all chat. He's told me he's not going back to Sarri's already. So after he's <laughs> enjoyed it that much. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's been class for us really. Just um, I think what he's brought to our forward pack is is obviously his, his line out ability, but that that calmness around line out as well, which you saw at the, week, the weekend, him going out and I think he won four, four or five of our line outs and, and then his, his energy and work rate on the, around the pitch, I think has been something that's really positive for us. So yeah, he's, he's, he's fitting, fitting really well for us. And like I say, to have a, another quality, quality second row in the squad when, when, when turnarounds are so short as well is, uh, is a really good thing. Mate, absolutely, and his nemesis Marrow's not there as well, so he can actually. He used to get really nervous around Marrow, even though they were mates. But anyway, it was bizarre. So yeah. it was great to see him. <laughs> great to see him flourish. Is he still living in one of his houses that Nigel Ray bought him, or has he moved up to Northampton? That's one of the things that intrigues me as well. Yeah, he, he does. He doesn't fancy paying for his own house, so he's still travelling up from the Nigel Ray mansion. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> oh, good stuff. I'm glad the banter's alive. All right, Lewis, thank you very much for joining us, mate, and best of luck for the rest of the season. No worries at all. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, cheers. Bye, 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 bye. Top lad. Top lad. Top lad. lad. Great to get him on. It is as well, isn't it? Because actually, do you know what? He's a young kid 
who has burst onto the scene. He's playing for England. You know, he's been really open with us there. And it's great to see that these young lads, they're not just sort of mechanical robots that train their nuts off. He clearly does, but he's got a load of spike about him. He's got a load of banter. What an what a absolute pleasure it was to have, have him on. I tell you what as well, it's really good of Northampton as well. I know we say that and it's easy to say. I did the interview with Courtney Laws about some really tough topics and he was really candid with me. He was great. So I think it's a big shout out to Northampton. I obviously spoke to Sam Vesti. You speak highly of Chris Boyd as well. And the one thing I will say on that, Tim Percival, who is their head of comms, runs all the social media side of it. He's a brilliant bloke and a lot of people could learn from that, couldn't they? Absolutely. I tell you who couldn't learn from it. Bristol's. Have you seen their social media? How good. How Mate, good. Uh, forget the pitch. Forget Rad Runders Tech 10 pack. Forget their new stadium. Whoever's running their social media, the late, well, one of the latest ones that I saw earlier in the day, the one around the office sketch and uh, Ricky Gervais yeah. talking through Rad Runders uh, ridiculous offload. Mate, that social media manager, whoever's running that, mate, he needs to be employee of the month and get him a Lamborghini. Yeah. Because I'm pissing myself, mate. They're brilliant. He's up there with the, the Barbarians fella as well, isn't he? He's great. Nick and the Barbas. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and that's the way rugby needs to go to engage people. Well, Jim, we saw lots of sweating last week and uh, we're back again for a second week with Carol Vorderman with your special feature. Do you want to intro it? Is she coming back? Oh, she is, Jim. Oh, my word. You're welcome, Jim. I've got her to come back. Mate, she has good. He's got her to come back. And he's going to speak like this, so I'm going to do the (laughs) intro to the riddle like this. Yeah, this is my segment. I'm speaking like Andy Good when he speaks to Carol Vorderman when she comes on. Riddle me this, Jim. Riddle me that. Jim will solve it. How are you, Carol? I am brilliant hey it's amazing you came on the rugby pod and there was just press everywhere it's obviously not that reason but <laughs> well carol you know it we, carol you know we went to number one in india i know get yeah us. i love how carol says get us you are you're part of us you are the team this is it you are the, our captain right okay so this is like math so we did a letter last week didn't we we did we did a consonant which you struggled with jim um, yeah, I found out. I found out it's a consonant, not a continent. That's I, I did get told that. Yeah. So this one is a math sort of maths one. Oh no! Oh, Jim, pen and paper. Get a pen and paper. No, no, no. You don't have to. It's like not not numbers in it as such, but it does involve a tiny little bit counting. Okay. Oh no! Okay. I suppose his math teacher was a very nice lady. Okay. Hit me. So there's a table which has got four legs and around the table there's one grandmother, two mothers, two daughters and a granddaughter. How many legs, including the legs of the table, are under the table? Oh, I hate these ones. I hate these ones. So at a four-legged four table. table. Uh, so one, two, I know, three, I know four. this is where it's going to get. I know I've worked out where it's going to get him, Carol. So four legs <laughs> of a table. So there's one grandmother. Yeah, who's got two legs? Two mothers, two daughters, and a granddaughter. How many legs are under the table, including the table legs? Do they all have two legs, right? So it isn't a trick question, like one's lost a leg. No, they're they're all two-legged women. Two, four, six, eight, ten, plus the legs of the table is 10, 11, 12, 14. 
plus the table. The panic. The panic's coming now. I get, it's, it is really difficult because it's like I'm under pressure. <laughs> so there's four legs at a table, which is pretty normal. So that's a normal so a table has four legs, right? Unless you've yeah. got a posh table like Carol or Goody, and it probably has six legs as well. Or so eight. Or eight. It's, it's or eight. Very if you've got table. a big one. Yeah. So four. You've got a lot of friends. Four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Wrong. I think you, you've got, we, we've done one similar to this before, Jim. Yeah, it's like, it's not a trick question, Jim, but it's not like dead straight. So that you've got to think about how many people. So you're thinking. Oh, all I've got it. What? Well, yeah. All of those people are different people. That's what you're saying. So that's no. Right. But they're not. Because it's this thing where it's, yeah, they're all intertwined into one. So it's like, yeah. so it's not incense or anything like that, is it? No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, Jim. But it's some more people, of a, is, which is a smell that you get at the altar, it, but it, nor is it incest. Oh, incest! Did I say incense? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <did you? laughs> oh my word! It's you, Carol. I'm under pressure. I'll How many people do you think there are? Jim? So, well, this is the, this is part of the question. So take the table out of it because we'll add the four at the end. So there's a grandma, lovely lady, I bet, I bet she is. We've got two mothers. So I'm thinking that one of them is the grandma, right? We're we getting there, Jim. Yeah. Right, okay. God, right. So one's the grandma. So that's, there's only, that, that's only two. Then there's two daughters, which one of them is the mother. Yeah. Am I right in saying? Yeah. Yes, Jim. And a granddaughter, which one of them could also be the daughter. Yeah. So oh. I went there. So two, four, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, he's getting closer, isn't he, Carol? You're getting closer. Start again. So the grandmother. So grandmother is one, right? Also so the, mother. Is so also she mother. is also a mother. So then there's only one mother. Yeah. Because obviously one's a grandmother who we've already got as one. Then there's two daughters. Yeah. Let's just say there's one because one of them's the mum. And a Two, granddaughter. Four, and there's a granddaughter. Can she be the daughter or not? So yeah, four, yeah, 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 well, yes, James. Oh, okay. So let's drop her then. So two, four, six, eight. Oh, they're so close. Two, four, so six, seven, so that's six. three people, yeah? Oh, yeah. So that's six. Six legs. Yeah. Um, six, four, four, seven, four, eight, nine, four. ten. Ten. Yay! Ten. Yay! Got it. Yay! See that? I told you. Thank you. I'm good at numbers. <laughs> Carol's having a celebratory fist pump. I am, yeah. I've done a similar one to that during lockdown on a quiz at home with, you know, when someone walks into a room and you're shaking hands, but you can't shake hands because there's a virus. So like, I basically <laughs> said zero. Um, but no, thank you. I got it. Would you say I got that? I'm dead impressed. Thank you. I'm with help, Jim. You. Thank oh, you. I should say, yeah. I'm thank you very much, Carol. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Carol. You start. Carol just blew a kiss at us. I did. <laughs> <laughs> See you, boys. Cheers, Carol. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Hi, darling. She called me darling. I've My life is me. She called me darling. Did you hear her call me darling? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah and she woman. blew a kiss at me. Great woman. I felt I felt better this week. I yeah. felt better. It's yeah. becoming more... It's You're coming used to it, Jim. So that feeling of nervousness has just got a little bit less. And, it's be, and you worked it out nearly. You worked it out. So, Carol, you've brought the riddle and Jim has solved it. Because this is my segment, Carol. It's not your segment, but we can say it's your segment. Riddle me this, lads. Riddle me that. Carol Vorderman gave me the riddle and I just solved it. Oh, 
one man who wasn't involved at the weekend and won't be involved this week either is referee JP Doyle, and we can have a chat with him now. How are you, mate? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. JP, let's get straight into it, mate. What the fuck's happened? Mate, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no beating around Jim's bush here. What the we're, fuck has gone on? We're devastated. We're gonna, we were going to talk about the games at the weekend. We were going to say what was it like to watch, but, mate, let's just get it out there. What the fuck has gone down in Chinatown? You can't say China or I can because we're quarter Chinese, but what's happened? Uh, service is no longer required, unfortunately, due to COVID and the cutbacks at the ORFU and the business of the business, I guess. His sport is sport and... We have to take our licks and get on with it. It must have been tough, though, because, um, you know, I know every business is going through that. But you, uh, you know, I messaged you in the week and I put a tweet out about it. And you can see the amount of love that people have for you around the way you referee games, your persona, the relationship you have with players. You know, and I'm, I'm not asking you to say about any of the referees, but for you, um, did it, it must have come as a big shock, did it? Yeah, look, when redundancies are happening and there's a lot of people going through that at the moment, You've just got to go through the process and what will out will out. Often you speak to people and these are these are great opportunities to reset and go again. Of course, it was. It, look, the best way I can describe it is it's very sad and sudden stop. I'd love to be doing a game this weekend, but there are great refs out there. There are other guys who can do the games. I'd only love to be out there for me because I really love doing it. And I really like being out there. The, the teams, the coaches, supporters, the support staff around the teams who I used to really enjoy uh, being involved with but the game will go on there will be other people to do the games they'll referee them brilliantly the ORFU has got a great setup it's got great referees for me it's sad and it's sudden and it's yeah I feel gutted but rugby goes on sport goes on that's the nature you guys would love to still be playing I'm sure if, if- no chance the way they train now mate you know <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing, JP. Obviously, we started with a laugh, or else we'd cry. Um, yeah. I'm sure that you felt a little bit emotional. So that you know, it's, it's good to start the show like that. But I think, like Goody mentioned, we had a great chat during lockdown, and it's great that we can have that conversation with you. And I know Barnsley and Nigel Owens have done other stuff in the media, and having ex- access to referees of your caliber and it didn't seem like there was any chat then that potentially the train might have stopped. Not back then. It was sort of redundancies. You think with refereeing, you'd kind of be immune to it, but. The situation is what the situation is. I think it's been pretty public what's going on at the ORFU. They're having to do what they have to do to ensure the future. I think the future of the game is far more important than the future of JP Doyle. You know, and that's that's what we got to remember. We want rugby to be bigger and better and brighter and kick on. And, you know, it rugby doesn't need me. I, you know, I love the game, but the game loves nobody, as I heard someone talk about the NFL. It's okay. It moves on. It is sad, but it's okay as well. Yeah, so when you're reassessing and you're looking at the opportunities out there, I mean, I've done some commentary for the Guinness Pro 14 and there's a lot of talk about potentially, you know, with your Irish descent, like that you could potentially go and referee over there. I know it's not a case of just jumping ship and going there straight away, but, you know, there's talks of the referee and potentially not being as good in the Guinness Pro 14. Is there any initial talks, conversations around that? Because I think firstly... You're still keen to referee, right? You're not thinking... Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd love to. I think the, the, the ironic thing is the last thing I did was a Bronco test. That was my last acting work was to do a Bronco test. Oh, mate, you no, should have missed that. You should, I've got loads of excuses to get you out of those. Uh, yeah, no, I love that stuff. So that was the last thing we did. So I'm, I'm good to go, but it wasn't to be. Um, with Ireland and, uh, well, Pro 14 or whatever it may be, they have their guys, they have their panel. And it's also run by their their unions and they have their guys coming through that they want to develop and they want to get better. Sure, if they if someone asked me to go referee something, I, you know, I take a look. But 
for them, it's important to develop their referees. They have great refs. They've all got, all the countries have international refs. They want to bring more through. So you can understand where they are as well with that. So what does it look like for you now, the, the next steps? I know you've got family, you're, you know, you're based obviously Twickenham way, aren't you? Sombra, yeah. Um, so what does, you know, it, it must be a, a really hard, but really exciting thing to look at. What does the future now hold for you plans wise? Because I know you've got some plans in the pipeline potentially as well. Yeah, well, that's that's just to, to what's what's weird and what's great is the last two weekends, I've been able to actually see people at weekends and go, yeah, okay, I can come across for have a beer and a bowl of crisps on, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon. And that's been lovely. I'm sure that will wear thin. I, ha- I was a school teacher. I am a school teacher before this, so I can go back into this. I would, you know, if I miss out and I'm, I leave rugby, I would be sad. You know, maybe there's something in around the media I'd love to do, but COVID is, is, is contracting everything at the moment. So we're just, we're just eyes open, wide awake, see what we can find out there. But teaching is always a, I loved teaching before I came into rugby and I, I still do. So we'll just see what's, what happens. But what's it like being a referee? Because I think in any walk of sport that you see, the referee gets the brunt of everything, right? It's like... Yeah, rightly so. Rightly yeah. so. You know, what's it like being a ref? It, it's, it's brilliant. So you got to remember there's almost two guises of a referee. There's one when you're wearing your uniform or your jersey or your match kit. There's a, there's a certain release valve that you are to the fans, the coaches, the players. And then there's the bit that a player sees you when he looks you in the eye. That becomes the personal treatment of your history with that ref. And sometimes you can not get on, but you have to find a way of, of, of getting over that. Sometimes you can have a great laughing relationship without having to say anything on the pitch or crack jokes. And you can just share a smile and laugh with a guy. For me, that's always been the best moment in the rugby pitch was was being able to share um, just a knowing, incredulous look when someone did something stupid and the player would turn to you and look at you and you'd kind of shrug your shoulders and you were able to have fun without trying to make a big moment of it on telly or anything else. You could just literally have that moment with the players. They're the ones you, the moments you really treasure going forward. These two lads, obviously uh, characters on the field, you've got um, Goody who used to have a fair bit to say and then Jim who used to cross the line on plenty of occasions. What was your relationship like with them? And do you have any um, memories of interactions with these boys on the field? Yeah, like I, well, this is the game that those two always go on about, which was, I think was 2011, Worcester, Worcester at home to Gloucester, which both players were penalised in the last minute to decide the game both ways, rightly or wrongly, or whatever else it is. That was certainly one to go on. But Goody was always interesting because his mood was totally matched by the temperament of the game. So when he was on top, he was great. He was brilliant. Everything was fine. He'd come find you. He'd, he'd lead what needed to be said, and you could just soak it up and relax. But equally, Goody, when he got annoyed, could be difficult, and you just have to <laughs> turn your back. And I remember one time he probably had a, a rough tackle on him at Worcester one day, and I probably saw most of it, but I wasn't sure quite what happened. And because he gets up and yells at you, you kind of go, oh, I don't know, dude. I didn't see it. I was, someone was yelling at me at the time. The blame game, Goody. Yeah. That is just yeah, it's it's always, blame always, game. That's it's always, always someone else's fault, mate. But yeah, I do remember. Where, where, where Jim, Jim was always the bad puppy. You know, he was always the the, the guy who was put in the the doghouse, and you knew every time you penalised him, the coach was going to jump up and down on his head. So you always <laughs> you always give a penalty, and you'd almost be like, oh, "I'm so sorry, Jim. You just fucked <laughs> up again. You're just stupid. <laughs> so, oh, you, you just crack. You, you, you can't squeeze people by the head. You, you've got to calm down, man." And the froth will be coming and the tattoos will be appearing and you'd be like, oh. So forwards and back by nature are worlds apart. 
and in personality they generally are too. So I, I think the best thing is, is the best thing on the pitch was to let players come to you and express themselves. And we have a lot of respect in the game. The RFU drive that really hard. But we love players chatting to us, talking to us. Yeah, I still haven't forgiven you for that one for Worcester against Gloucester. The, the ball was out, mate. You can't give a penalty at the scrum once I the know. ball was out. But we'll let, we'll let it go. We'll let it go. Dire. It was dire, wasn't it? Yeah, and Jim definitely piled Percival in the back, I think it was. Yeah, so well, that was definitely... that was right. Even though Ben Kay said he didn't do it, he nearly killed uh, James Percival on that yeah. one. Oh, mate, I've, I've, I've got, yeah, mate, I, mate, I have physical, mate. That's what, That was me all over. <laughs> Just hard as nails. Oh, I, I'm going to say dumb, but there we go. JP, when you look back, not that it's over, uh, hopefully it's not, Memories that stand out. I don't know if you've had much time to reflect. Maybe during lockdown you have as well. But a couple of big, obviously, games. Prem final, Six Nations, World Cup, more than a couple. Um, any that stick out that you think, yeah, like you know, that's that one will live with me forever for all the right reasons? Uh, well, it doesn't, you can't have for all the right reasons because every close, tight, difficult game I did, someone thinks I did something wrong to cost them the game. So if it's 80 nil, I probably refereed really well. So if I asked all the teams, you know, how did I referee today? Well, we lost 107 nil. Oh, I think you did really well. Okay, thank you very much. If it's 14-13 or 31-32, you've probably affected the game somewhere along the way by a point or two because that's the nature of refereeing. Nothing is black and white. So I kind of look at the, the whole experience rather than the one game, because it's unfair to put yourself in front of a game and say, oh, well, this game I did was really important to me. Because it's not, when I do a school's, I, I was lucky enough to do, say, a school's final. That game for those guys is the biggest game they'll ever play in. Yeah, a couple of guys will go on and play in bigger games, but they'll always talk about that school's cup final. So for me, you've got to treat those games with absolute respect, because that's their World Cup game. And even smaller internationals, you, you get the privilege to do, which might not be in front of big crowds. I did Germany versus Russia in Hanover. Big game. Big game, big game. But for those German guys playing in that game, that was their everything. So why is that? Why should that be any different as a memory? But yes, obviously, big pack Twickenham is selfishly, they're, they're really nice days. But as the game of rugby goes, it's all the other games you play, you're, you're involved in. Tell me you let Russia win that game. Mate, you don't let Russia lose games, mate. <laughs> they did. Steve Diamond was the coach. I'll tell you, there's one funny story. So we're playing in Hanover and uh, there's one man and his dog at the game, maybe 30, 40, 50 people at the game. Some and snipers, Russia, some snipers yeah, maybe, I don't know. Russia are winning by 85 points. <laughs> Germany have a scrum and the, the scrum has probably not putting the ball in as correct as he may be, but they're losing by 85 it's fine. Steve Diamond standing on the side of the pitch going mad. It's crooked. It's crooked. It's crooked. It's 85 nil. Their scrum half actually put one in worse after that. And I blew a free kick. So I crook it in on the feed against the Russian scrum half with 20 minutes to go at 85 nil. I thought Steve Diamond was just going to explode on the sideline. He's I'm going to get you. And it was just, just a nice, a nice moment. 85 nil. Russia went on to win. No problem. But Thank goodness. Thank yeah. goodness yeah. it did. <laughs> I don't think that had too much effect on the game. <laughs> and then um, just looking at some of the coaches, you mentioned Steve Diamond there. Any of the coaches that you enjoyed refereeing for and having conversations with afters? Any that you didn't really? You've got to separate game day from the person. So they're under humongous pressure. And sometimes you can be just a little release valve on that. And that can be okay. You've got to remember the jersey rather than the person. And when you see them, a week, a month, a year later, 
that's oh they'll remember all right coach players forget the games you refereed they just remember how you treated them coaches will always remember the games there's such a diverse characters real great guys especially the forward guys who are forwards players who've become coaches now the big kind of characters they're fantastic because you kind of want to earn their respect as well i guess maybe like a back wants to earn their respect when they were playing with them you want to be i don't want to say you want to be a good referee you just want to be better than the guys they really hate so if you can just be <laughs> slightly better than the worst guys you sort of have maybe you might maybe one day get a, a wink of acknowledgement or that wasn't too bad from some of the really grouchy coaches and earning that respect whether i have or not i don't know but if you can earn that respect from them that's worth more than the happy-go-lucky coaches who are always nice to nice to because they're good people Good stuff. And then I know you as referees spend a lot of time together or did spend a lot of time together training. Uh, you know, I've been down to Twickenham when you're doing um, your fitness sessions and things like this. As a bunch, you were quite tight, right? So I've got three quick fire questions for you um, on that. Who had the best banter? Who had the worst banter? And who had the biggest bush? That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what's really interesting now? The young referees are immaculately vetted everywhere, yeah. up, up and down their bodies, their faces, their legs, their toes. They're, you'll see them now in the refereeing because they start sweating. They start glistening. So I'm, I'm just not used to that at all. Um, the, the best banter is referees. Christ, nobody has any good banter. You tell me any of your listeners or watchers would really say, God, I can imagine that's a funny half hour. Put 10 be a great crack. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. But the worst banter is... It's generally referees who think they're funny. Maybe, you know, have the, have the worst banter and think they're good crack. Who? Who? Well, look, let's just throw Barnsley under the bus. Barnsley. <laughs> let's, just, let's just throw him under the 281 outside Twickenham. Sure, why not? He's, he's big enough to take it. I reckon he's got the biggest bush as well. Ginger, I reckon, as well. Gingery, I'm sure. Well, mate, yeah. we're sponsored by Manscaped now, so if you want to just put uh, that he, word in, JP. Uh, he's, he's got an address in Twickenham. I'm sure you can send some Manscaped <laughs> his way there. Uh, JP, just lastly, just before you go, so you, you spoke, well, Goody spoke, he messaged you. Uh, I, I tweeted you on the, on the direct message. Have you had much uh, interaction with, with current players, coaches? I mean, has the rugby family fraternity reached out? Yeah, and that's, I, I'm... Genuinely in shock about how many did and have and sent me messages and stuff. I'm not saying every player of every referee has done it, but even one guy doing it is is a huge. From a from a very sad place, it makes you feel an awful lot better about what happened. Now, it doesn't solve it, but it certainly it certainly pepped me up a huge amount that people. Yeah, they thought you weren't the worst guy they ever had. You know, you're a referee at the end of the day. No one cares. As all my friends who got in touch with me said. Who cares? You're a ref. Every single one of them would take me down straight away. But for a few players to pump up your tire, just 1% was, was fab. And I think that the guys who are remaining will, will carry on that, that sort of way about it. Um, Craig, Craig Maxwell Key's blocking line for Worcester Strike at the weekend. Shocker. He had a shocker, but I'll say that. No comment. I like it. I like it. No I, didn't, comment. I, didn't, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I just saw, I just saw your, 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 your tweet and I didn't really see the event, I have to say. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, JP, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Uh, best of luck uh, for whatever the future holds for you next, and hopefully we see you back out on that field sooner rather no than later. Thanks a lot. Have a great day, guys. Cheers, JP. Good man. Cheers, JP. Thanks, buddy. Top bloke. Top bloke. Yeah, top bloke. Really sad for him to be made redundant and step away from the game, but he's a jovial character, good guy. Um, you want to see him back in the game, and I think that that's what 
everyone's sort of feelings were across Twitter, weren't they? Because bottom line is he's one of the best refs in the world, right? Doesn't add up to me. Doesn't add up to me. I just don't know. He obviously, it's raw for him. Try to make light of light of it. I'm I'm not. It's a shit situation. Like you heard the baby crying in the background there. Do you know what I mean? There's a livelihood at the end of the day. Yeah, I just I just hope he gets back in the game because he is. Like for me, and I fucking hated referees. And I hated JP when I played because he used to ping me. But in hindsight, it was all my own fault. Um, so, <laughs> but, but mate, a quality referee, someone that you can engage with. And uh, yeah, this is the world that we live in. But I think like you just said, Goody, hopefully he gets back in to rugby in some sense sooner rather than later, right? Here, here. And it's another quick turnaround. We've got some games coming up, haven't we, Goody? Yeah, we have. Looking forward to seeing the midweek games this week. Um, and it's always sort of balanced out by squad rotation and, and the player welfare that the RPO put involved. But some big games. Wasps playing the Sharks. We haven't mentioned Wasps really yet because there's so much ruggers to cover. They beat Worcester again. I think they've now won five on the spin. So I think we're third, Jim. Are you happy with that, Jim? Yeah. And it's, you know, Sharks have made a load of changes. Um, they've lost their first two, you know, no Manu, it's Wasp's first team that's starting. So I can only see Wasp winning that game really, which puts more pressure on, on Steve Diamond. But also on Tuesday, aka when you guys are listening, girls are listening to this today, the Bristol Bears, the Bristol Bearbacks play the extra Chiefs. It's quite a big game as well. And Extra have made a raft of changes as well. So Semi's backing up again. They're two big games to look out for. And then obviously on Wednesday, the big one around top four and who's pushing for that. Northampton, we spoke to Lewis Ludlam earlier. Um, Northampton are, are hosting Bath and Bath are on a decent run of form as well. So three big games there to look out for. Jim, are you excited by those? Mate, I am. Well, they're, you know, they're the ones, aren't they? So I think we'll know where Wasps are on Tuesday. Um, heard Jimmy Gopper speak. Mate, to be fair, they're on bloody fire, let's be honest. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to Leicester London Irish, I'll be honest, on Wednesday. <laughs> um, mate, I, yeah, look, you know, for me, it's going to be interesting because it's midweek games. We haven't seen them. Um, you know, but if I'm being completely honest with you, lads, I'll be 100% honest. For me, it's all about, next, it's all about Friday night, mate. Hashtag always Edinburgh against Glasgow. Okay, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly goody. Yes, let's. Uh, plenty of good this week. Uh, we'll start off in the Guinness Pro 14. Um, Connacht uh, beat an Ulster at the Aviva Stadium. Ulster, I know they watched the game for Edinburgh against Glasgow. I think they watched it on mute, though, the boys did, um, from Ulster, because they knew that if Edinburgh won that, that guaranteed them the home semi-final. And also, I don't think they wanted to hear Jim Hamilton's commentary. So they weren't really at the races, Ulster, but Connacht rocked up and beat them at the Aviva. Uh, what else was good? We'll stay in the Pro 14 uh, because the Leinster Munster game, if you haven't watched it, have a watch of that. That was proper intense. That's a real rivalry. Um, it looked awesome. Big Devon Toner with the match-winning interception at the death. Uh, he's on fire. And another player that Jim thought was over the hill, Johnny Sexton, was on fire as well. So they get mentioned the good. Do you, do, do you see that, Jim? Mate, I thought, I, you know, in terms of first games, and you always wonder what it's going to be like, it obviously took a while for the Southern Hemisphere to get going, and obviously week one of the Prem. That Leinster-Munster game, my word, unbelievable, mate, unbelievable. Fair, to be fair to Sexton, I, mate, I, kn- I always knew it, I knew he'd come good, <laughs> I knew he'd come good. Bit of lockdown, bit of time to, for reflection, uh, he looked brilliant, and um, yeah, so I'm good about Ulster, though, because it didn't normally happen, mate. Normally people come on and it catapults them yeah. forward. 
But they forward, just knew they but, couldn't get the home semi, so it doesn't really yeah, matter, right? Yeah, well, he just he needs to be grounded. He's, he's got a big, he's got a, it's a lion's year for Cooney. Do you know what I mean, mate? He can't, he can't all be on the front foot, you know? No. Uh, but one thing, though, did you see the stock horse? No, he's, got, he's got rid of his terror lid. Yeah, he's shaved oh, it all yeah. off. Yeah. He shaved it all off. Mate, it's serious business, mate. He ain't taking yeah. the piss this year, is he? No, he's not. He's thinking serious. lions as well. Maybe he spoke to Cooney and said, the boys from the rugby pod are getting me on the lions tour if you want to come shave your lid. Uh, but anyway, what else was good? Hashtag always. Mate, you say, I'm. I'm surprised. I'm in shock that you're putting them Hashtag anywhere always. near the good. Thank you. They dominated Glasgow uh, to win the 1872 Cup. Ooh, I which, don't know if they dominated, but yeah, I will take well, it. But yeah, they've got the home semi-final. That's what it's about, really. It's not just about that game, but it's about guaranteeing the home semi-final now in the Guinness Pro 14. So that was outstanding. Are they the good then? They haven't won the good. Oh, man. Part, you know, they're part of it. Um, we'll stay in Scotland, actually, Jim. Really? This is, this is close to your heart, yet. Yeah. Uh, what else was good was Ryan Grant, Richie Vernon, Rory Jackson, and Andrew Eason cycling 234 miles in 36 hours as they took on Caledonian Way on their bikes, Jim. They're raising money for the My Name's Doddy Foundation and also Unite Against Cancer. My only question, Jim, why didn't you do it? What do you mean? Why didn't you get, you're up in Scotland, why didn't you get on your bike for it? Mate, I'm prepping for the hashtag always Edinburgh Glasgow game. It's my oh, okay. final, mate. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but I did see go. them. I, mate, I did yeah, like it. Shout I, out. I, I like to tweet, I like to picture on Instagram. I did my bit, mate. Well, massive shout out to those boys for that. It's a hell of an effort raising money for those two fantastic charities. And we'll also stay with the Scottish theme, Jim, because you're Scottish. And I've got to apologise because we bagged him last week. We gave him the bad or the ugly. I don't even know which one we gave him, but donkey wear me old hair. It's an apology. It is an apology, and it's now going in the good, because first and foremost, Duncan Weir, I apologise for taking the mickey out of your Screech Powers hairdo, because I didn't know the backstory behind it, and it's a fantastic backstory. It's You're growing out your hair, which does look shocking, but you're growing it out for the rest of 2020, raising money uh, for Acorns Hospice in Worcestershire. Um, it's a fabulous charity. I've, I've been there myself, done a load of work with them when I was a Worcester player. So massive shout out to Donkey Weir. He's growing his pubes on his head. He looks like Screech Powers from uh, Saved by the Bell, uh, but it's a fantastic cause. So he gets a mention in the good, but he doesn't get the good. We have to mention Wasps in the good. Of course we do. No doubt. Of course we do. Wasps under 17s beating Worcester Warriors under 18s. Um, it wasn't a brilliant game, but I'll tell you what, did you see uh, Ogre, the old uh, back rower? But he's not a back rower. He's actually a hooker. He is hard as you like. He was absolutely phenomenal uh, playing at seven, ball carrying ridiculously, then stepped up to play hooker afterwards. He's a hard, hard boy. So Wasps get a mention in the good. He's living uh, in Cov, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah, living in Lemington, mate. If yeah, it, of course mate, if he's is, that yeah. hard, he's living in Cov, right yeah. in the right in the shit bit as well. Where's the shit bit in Cov? <laughs> mate, all of it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, what else was good? Luke Cowan Sicky, Puke Cowan Sicky. Uh, you got a mention last week. Me old tap and goo. It's come back, hasn't it, Jim? It has, mate. Five meters out. What are you going to do? I'm going to goo. I'm going to tap and goo. That's <laughs> what I'm doing. Here we go. Yeah, he played well again. He was outstanding. And also a tip of the slipper for the good Simmons. I reckon he should be in the England squad now. Get rid of George Ford. Keep Owen Farrell, uh, but Simmons at 10 for Exeter is the real deal. He was, he was awesome a couple of years ago as well. He, just, he never got a look in. Yeah, uh, so fingers crossed he continues on that good run. Uh, so they get a mention in the good, but the good this week can only go to our friends in the Southwest, our friends, the Bristol Bears. Bristols. Uh, they were outstanding. Bristols, that's their seventh win on the spin in the Premiership and the first at Gloucester since 2006. So how many years is that, Jim? A long time. Yeah, 14. 
Um, so outstanding, but also special mention to Semi Randrandra. 16 carries, 147 meters, sick offloads everywhere. A try assists the lot. The boy has got it, and then he takes his top off after the game. And what do you say, Jimmy's got a 10 pack or a 12 pack? I've never seen a, a, a pack like it in my life ever. All he de- all, all he needs to do now is just learn the words because he was banging on the wall, but he didn't know the words. So that's the only thing that can make him any better. But the good this week goes to Bristol's and Semi Randrandra. Uh, the bad. Uh, we'll start with Worcester. That's eight losses on the bounce for them now. Unfortunately, um, not great for them, but they're probably looking to next season as well. Uh, what else was bad? Quinns. They got bullied by Saracens to go 28-3 down, didn't they, Jim? They did, mate. I'm devoted. Absolutely <laughs> devoted for them, I'll be uh, honest. So, so they get a mention in the bad. Um, we're going to have to put the RFU in the bad this week as well. Uh, they've made job cuts everywhere. They've made people redundant. Um, but with that, they're refusing to cut the expenses budget of their council. So all the Alakadoos can enjoy their finer stays, the hotels, the meals. Alakadoo, Alakaday. Yeah, just doesn't sit right, that does it? They refuse to cut their budget for that, but they're making people redundant and costing people jobs everywhere. So that's not great. Um, what else is bad? Will Stewart's lid again. That's got to get another mention. That's shocking. And the a good reason, player is a good yeah, player. Great player. But the reason I mention it is because Tom Dunn, his mate, who I put him in the bad with last week for his lid, he listens to the podcast. He, he does sh- something about it. He shaved it off as well. Yeah. So you just got to listen to the podcast. Will Stewart doesn't. Shocking lid. You know when Will Stewart will shave his head? Go on. When he has a shit game. That yeah. so when it, when he has a shit game, that's what he'll do. Gordon Reed, when Glasgow played Bath, he had a Mohican in the first half. I think he got his ass handed to him. Half time, he shaved his mohican <laughs> <laughs> and went back out there and got his ass handed to him again. But so it weren't the mohican. I think it was a mohican or handlebars. We'll just say mohican. I think it was. Um, so Will Stewart's lid is shocking. But also, do you see Michael Le Bourgeois's lid for wasps? Like the eighties called. I've not picked the, it up, mate. The eighties called. They want all their hair dye back. He's gone for the like. Put the cap on. Pull all the hair out and put it with hair dye. It looked like a bird shat all over his head. <laughs> Shocking lid. Yeah, shocking lid. But he's he's French, Michael Le Bourgeois. But he's not French. But yeah, he had a terror lid. Also, Steph Evans in the Pro 14. Do you see his lid? Horrible mullet. Absolutely shocking mullet he had. So uh, not great on the lid front. But the bad this week, unfortunately, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, bad news around the game. Unfortunately, Jack Clifford retiring at the ripe old age. Not age. It's a young age. 27. Uh, he was a Grand Slam winner a few years back under Eddie Jones. And unfortunately, a couple of shoulder operations, some big injuries. And 27 is no age to retire at, is it, Jim? Mate, shoulders are gnarly as well, man. You know, once you injure your shoulders, it's a tough way back. So hopefully the future looks bright for him. And then the ugly. Uh, only really one ugly thing I could find this week. Uh, and it was George North. He's not ugly. He's a beautiful specimen. But George North's red card, he took out Ashton Hewitt in the air from the kickoff. Um, he landed on his neck. Straight red card. No questions. Pretty bad timing from George North. So unfortunately, George North, who isn't ugly, he's a beautiful specimen. But he gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, a massive shout-out to Stephen Palmer from Berry Rugby Club. Um, He's running seven kilometres every day for an entire year, all in the name of charity. Uh, He's in quarantine at the moment, so he's doing it in his garden for now, but he hasn't missed a day yet. Um, Rick Preston has sent us the link to his fundraising page, which is fundraise.cancerresearchuk.org forward slash page forward slash forest. Three six five, and he wants to know if I fancy 
doing it too, or maybe eat seven star bars a day instead. I'll take the seven star bars because I can't run because my knee is absolutely fucked. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and check us out on YouTube as well. Ruby Pod in India. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 